I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The day I go, made a promise to my mother. It's okay, kids, I'm going to die for this. I put my mind to this. Watch all these people, how they treat you. Got no time for it. I fear no evil, got my demons. I'm just fine with them. And all these people think they know me. It don't matter to me, because I'm going to die for this. I put my mind to this. Watch all these people, how they treat you. Got no time for it. I fear no evil, got my demons. I'm just fine with them. All right, everybody, welcome to a special edition of the Three Point Stance podcast with myself, Caleb, my guy, D. Gray, and none other than Ohio State and Steelers legend, Ryan Shazier. First thing, all I want to say is OH. I.O. I.O. There we go. <laughs> How you guys doing? I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm doing good, very man. I'm doing good. I can't complain. I can't complain. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Go ahead, Caleb. Kick it off, man. Yeah, Kayla, man. Uh, I mean, you know, we were kind of, uh, you know, we're, we've been brainstorming on things to talk about with you, and I think um, we kind of have a perfect topic to talk about today where um, it's in Steelers' Twitter right now. Vince Williams has been um, talking about Devin Bush's time in, uh, in Pittsburgh and everything like that, and, you know, he was supposed to be, you know, the guy to, you know, replace you. And, um, and and that's kind of like one of the things I'm going to cut you off. Okay, it's kind yeah. of one of the things I was like, 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 because me and Devin got drafted the same year. That's around the time when you was throwing like the little players coach around the building a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. I only think you remember we was in the cafeteria talking a minute ago. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, Devin came in. It was just like, man, over the time, uh, I think I left with the Jaguars and uh, Devin was still there, but he was going through his struggles. And it's like, mm-hmm. Thinking about a linebacker like you that played a high level man, play uh physical man, love the game. Why do you think Devin struggled so much, man? I know he came from an injury, but why do you think everything just kind of fell apart for Devin Foster's character? People just didn't like nothing about him. So I feel, you know, when it comes to playing a linebacker, that's one of those positions that you have to put a lot of extra work in. You know, and uh there's a lot of guys that just have a knack for the ball. But the the linebacker position, especially for the Steelers, they, they're expecting a lot out of you. They're expecting you to be in there. You'll be a leader. They expect you to be able to make the calls on the defense, on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball. And when you – when you're younger, it's okay just to go out there and play because you had a guy like Vince that would, you know – you know, that will call the plays. But as you get older in the game, they expect more responsibility out of you. And I think the fact that all that responsibility is being put on Devin, I feel it was a lot for him for a second. And then also I feel that it's just once you kind of lose your confidence a little bit because of just the fans and it seems like the coaches lose a little bit of faith in you, I feel like it's a little bit harder for you to – to play at the same level that you you feel like you're capable of. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that, man. Yeah, and like, but I mean, before before his injury, I mean, he 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 was playing like a guy. I mean, it wasn't to the level you know you were you were at. Obviously, I think there was a lot of expectations for him 
um, based off of your play because you kind of, you know, revolutionized the way middle linebackers are looked at now. Uh, fast, I remember fast. I, yeah, speed. Yeah. <laughs> he was the fastest guy on the team, speed. right? <laughs> no, I was, I was, I was one of the fastest. I want to say, you so <laughs> sure. <laughs> Definitely. So, so my question to to you, Ryan, bro, like, if 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 your injury never happened, man, do you think Devin would ever even been a stiller? The reason I say I don't think so in, is because we had TJ, we had me, we had Vince, because me and Vince had a very good chemistry at the time. So. I don't. I don't. I, I. I think it would be really hard to see Devin come in at that time at linebacker because Vince just got a contract. I would have probably. I would have got a contract. Bud was doing well. Probably. So obviously. Probably. So they. <laughs> so, so but but yeah, but but Bud was playing well. So I. I don't know if they would have been able to keep all of us, but I. I just don't see Devin coming in because Vince took a team friendly contract. I would have took a, a good contract, and I think. The level that we were playing at the time, I don't think we would have even been able. We would have traded up for Devin at that time. I feel that we probably would have went to more on the offensive side of the ball instead of the defensive side because after I got hurt, that was the position that they were trying to fill. They were trying to fill a linebacker position, and I don't feel like they would have needed to fill a linebacker position if I didn't. Yeah, I agree. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, I agree with that. And. There, there's, there's a game I want to go back to. Um, that's one of my oh. favorites. Or I think it was the same, same year playoffs. The first round against Cincinnati Bengals. I remember mm-hmm. towards the end of that game, my dad's calling me. Oh, the game's over. He's turned the TV off, and I'm getting ready to go out with friends. So I, he had me under the same impression, but I'm still watching on my phone, right? And then I just see you. You, you stripped Jeremy Hill. What what was that game like? What was the feeling like? So that game, the, the feeling of that game and the emotions of that game were crazy. And the reason I say that is because everybody thought that game was over. You know, Burfick had that big play, and then he he stripped the ball. I mean, not stripped the ball. He intercepted the ball, and then he ran through the tunnel, and everybody thought that game was over. It was a really dramatic game earlier that game. And – it was just that moment where everybody thought this game was over and, and the only guys that kind of believed in us was the team itself. And I was just saying to myself, I always wanted to be a guy that made a play in a big moment. And we was like, we have to, hey, everybody hold them up and somebody will strip the ball out. Everybody hold them up, somebody will strip the ball out. And when I was making the tackle, I seen the ball. And whenever I see the opportunity to see the ball, I always just try to go for it. I always try to go for it. And... You know, I felt it was a little bit loose. It was raining that day, so the ball was probably a little bit slippery than it would normally be. And I just felt, man, this is a great opportunity. And I, I just, I, I, I ripped at it, and and it came out. And I, you know, I, that was one of the biggest plays of my life. And I, to this day, man, I'm, I'm still, you know, I look back at it like, man, I can't believe that that actually happened because we ended up going to the next round off of that, and you know, we ended up losing in the next round, but it. It was just such an amazing, amazing time for the team and and just to, you know, to be able to go to the next round. Yeah, and I know that that game has, uh, you know, pushed Adam Jones, Adam Pacman Jones, uh, hate for Pittsburgh. He is uh, very, very um, – what's the word I'm looking for, D? Um about Pac-Man? Oh, man, he, he had nothing to say about the Steelers. Yeah, he hate the Steelers, man. Yeah, that, that, that game, yeah. that game gave Brian him said some real, 
real crazy. He said, man, when he played against the Bengals, man, it was real dramatic. It's always been that way, man. We yeah. come divisional, yeah. play like that, man. It's always been super dramatic, especially playing against Cleveland and Cincinnati, man. It's always just like, I don't matter what, what the records are, it's always going to be a Super Bowl game, dog. Like, man, it's crazy. Yeah, especially man. with the Ravens. And it was, it was funny because Cincinnati, they were starting to get back into their own. They were trying to figure things out. And that season, they had a better season than us. But because Andy Dalton had a phenomenal season that season. So they had a better season than us. But we just knew that those were one of the teams that we can out physical. And when you're playing certain people, if you know if you can out physical them, you always feel this opportunity to win that game. And so we just tried our best to out physical them, try to out tough those out tough them. And to being able being able to do that, you know, in those moments like that, it, it allows you to make those plays and, and prepare for those type of moments. And and you know, Cincinnati was always a tough game, but we always feel that there's a way that we can squeeze some out of it. And you like you've seen it in that moment. Yeah, and I think another thing to go back on that game, you talked about uh, the physicality of it. You had a a huge monster hit on a swing pass to Giovanni Bernard, which you know was a fumble, but. You know, yeah, yeah that, was, that would <laughs> that would have been a touchdown. Uh, you would have recovered it, scored. But are you happy that it played out that way because you got that special moment at the end? Honestly, I just the one thing about me is I just always want to win. Yeah. It doesn't matter if if it's you know a hundred you know a hundred to zero or is twenty one to twenty. So obviously, I got that great moment. But that hit was a big hit late in the game as well. That would have been another great moment. Honestly, I'm just happy we got the win. I'm happy we got the opportunity. You know, that was a that was a you know, like a bone crushing hit. And and what's so crazy sometimes what people fail to realize is when you make those type of hits, like the one I made on Giovanni Bernard, most people think, oh man, this man tried to hit him that hard. This man tried to do something illegal. And it's just like, man, that that was one of those plays. It's like, man. You, I was just trying to go out there and make a play, and I was running faster than I anticipated. Right <laughs> you know, I was running faster than I anticipated, and I was just like, let me just make a hit. And then and then it was like the perfect situation. I hit him in the perfect place in the perfect situation. Obviously, right now, that play will be uh, a targeting. But it just I – just, I just did everything I did. I, I just tried to do everything the right way, try to hit him the right way. And, and you know, that, that play kind of set the tone of the game. And – at that moment, that game got very physical. Man, so it say, man, you seen him. He was a very physical, and not just a physical guy with all the physical tools to go play at a high level. But she was very smart. But it was always learning to talk, man, through mentors growing up and things like that. When you first got to Steelers, who was a guy that took you on the wing, man? That 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 gave you that little brother treatment, man. Showed you the ropes moving up in the league, man. So I would say I had a few guys. So one of the people that was a guy that that kind of took me under his wing was Will Allen. He was a former Ohio State Buckeye. He he actually won a national championship versus Miami uh, back in the day. He was still on the Steelers when I was playing. Then another guy I would say was Will Gay, and he, he yeah yeah uh, yeah Will big. They used to call him Big Play Willie Gay. So he was one of them. And then another one was uh, Mike Mitchell, and all of them were DBs. But the reason the reason I would say they all looked, I, I you know, they kind of gave me the big brother treatment is because we were they were DBs, but they taught me how to watch film. They taught me how to study. They taught me how to 
just uh, appreciate my craft. And then, you know, I would I would spend more time with other guys from around the league. Like I would talk to anytime I get an opportunity to learn from somebody like Pouncey or a coach or another player, I will always take that uh, opportunity to try to get better. But yeah, Will Gay, Will Allen, and Mike Mitchell, those are guys I watch a lot of film with. Those are guys that I spend a lot of my time with. And they taught me how to become a, a better a better athlete. They taught me how to become better at my craft. And and to this day, I, I still thank them very much for just what they've taught me and how they helped me grow in the game of football. I agree. When you, when you said Pouncey, I agree. <laughs> I always agree with that up front. Man, that's crazy. Cause him and Ramon, boy, that man, I'm talking about came in hot 2019 with Bush. I'm like, man, I'm about to play this shit. Ramon, like, no, sit down, young boy, sit down for a second. Yeah. Learn the rope, man. I thought I knew it all, boy. Cam Hay will show me I ain't know it all. Cam Hay yeah. will show me that real quick. But man, that's what I think yeah, that's no, very man, important it's, now when it comes to guys yeah. developing, man. I'm happy Devin had the opportunity to even have Vince there for one year. I think Vince was with us one year. And then he was yeah. out of there, I think. But, yeah, Vince, man, dog, physical linebacker that understood the game, man, understood his limitations, too, that he wasn't that good at covering. But he, when you come between those tackles, he's going to hit you. And uh, But he was good, man, showing Devin the ropes, man, for the short period of time he had Devin, man. So, yeah. And I think, that's, I think that's the one thing about the NFL that a lot of dudes fail to realize. Sometimes you might be a guy that's great at, at a, you know, Coverage. Sometimes you might be a, a great three, uh, two-down linebacker. And I think that's one thing that might have hurt Devin a little bit because he wanted to be what everybody wanted him to be. And obviously that's what people expect out of you as a first-rounder. But I think if he understood, hey, you know, I'm better in run situations. I'm better in pass situations. I'm better at blitzing. And the coaches can kind of build on that. I feel like that would have helped him a lot in his career. Right. And instead of, you know, when you're young, you're just trying to do everything. You're trying to be that first-round pick. You're trying to live up to the expectations of that. And I feel like it's really tough sometimes. And you see a lot of it in basketball where guys kind of understand their, their role a little bit better than, than you see in football because in football, you know, guys are trying to be that guy. Like I'll use uh, Caldwell Pope, for instance, you know, with the Denver Nuggets. He understands his role is to come in there, play defense, shoot threes, you know. But he was a first-round draft pick. So people expected him to be that guy when he was younger, but he ended up finding out like, hey, man, this is my role and this is how I become great. Darius Hayward Bay, he was he was a top five pick when he Turk, first started. When he first came in the, yeah, there we go. Yeah, when he first <laughs> came into the league. But then he understand, hey, I'm a great special teams guy and hey, I'm that I'm that gadget guy. I'm that super fast guy that that make those plays. I'm the guy that can that can do the uh the the jet sweeps. He was that type of guy, but he understood his role. And I feel that it, it, it was tough for Devin, you know, when he first got to Pittsburgh because when everybody's expecting you to be somebody else, it's hard, man, because you just want to be yourself. And I think that's one right. thing that it was it was real tough on him while, while he was here. Right. And I know a lot of people, man, labeled that – they spanked that label on him as a bust. How, how do you feel about that? Do, would you label him as a bust? If you if he was a fan looking at you didn't know Devin, no relation to him, and you just heard seeing him play and seeing him that he didn't amount to what y'all wanted him to amount to as fans, would you label a bust tag on him? So the thing is, I'm very I hate the I hate the word bust, you know, because I, I'm a, I'm a you know I'm a first round draft pick, 
I've been through a lot. I know how, how tough it can be. So I don't like to label people uh, as a bus. A bus, and, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going I'm to tell you two people who are bus. Kwame Brown, bus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Jamarcus Great Russell. Like, but I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. (laughs) I wouldn't say say Greg Oden. And the reason I say that, and obviously I'm a Buckeye, I wouldn't say Greg Oden. But uh, I'm going to say, you know, Jamarcus Russell. Like, and the reason I'll say those type of guys is because, for instance, when they actually played, like they were like extremely bad when they played. They didn't have a lot of really good moments when you ever watched them play football. Devin was a really good player until he got hurt. Definitely. Like it then right. after he got hurt, it just he couldn't find himself again. Greg Oden was the same way. Greg Oden, he could not get healthy. When if you go look at Greg Oden's yeah. stats when he played, yeah, he, he was a knees. dog. Yeah, he was just he was a dog. So what I'm saying with Devin is I think, you know, if he get in a situation where they might not ask as much of him from the linebacker position, I think he might do better. Like, for instance, in Seattle, that is more of a cover three style of defense. They don't ask the linebackers to do a whole, whole lot, covering a whole lot of people. That that might be a situation that might be a little bit better than Devin. While Pittsburgh, they might have you covering D-line. They might have you covering receivers. You might be covering tight ends. You might be covering running backs. You're blitzing. You're calling plays. It's in, and I'm not saying that Devin can't handle all that responsibility, but some teams, the the weight on your shoulders is not as heavy compared to being at other teams. So, but I wouldn't call point Devin point a bush. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Devin a bush. And, and the thing is, everybody in the NFL is a great player. And this is what people fail to realize. Every player, player in the NFL is a great player. Sometimes you need to be in the right in the right scheme. And the Pittsburgh Steelers scheme might not be the right scheme for him. You know, so I, but I, I wouldn't call him a bust because I can definitely see Devin going to Seattle and, and, and making some noise. It's just, unfortunately, his time here in Pittsburgh is not what people expected out of him. Yeah, and now and now De- Devin has Bobby Wagner back in Seattle too, so that's that's a real that's a really good another guy defense. to lean on right there. Yeah, um, yeah and another that, Vince right there beside him. Yeah, yeah, and then um, kind of you know we've talked about Vince a little bit, so I want to go to a guy on the current in the current Steelers middle linebacker room, um, Mark Robinson. I compare him a lot his play style to Vince, the way he's a thumper and everything like that. What are your thoughts on Mark? And he's, he's got high expectations, at least amongst Steeler fans. I know he was a late round pick and everything like that, but we, we, we've seen it. We saw what he can do in the preseason. We saw what he did in that Ravens game. I think Mark has a, a very high ceiling. The one thing, like, like you said earlier, if, if he's like a Vince type of guy, if he understands, hey, I'm a two-down backer, man, I'm, I'm really good at, at stopping the, you know, stopping the run. Man, that's very valuable in the NFL, especially when you're going against teams like Der- with Derrick Henry's, with Saquon Barkley's, with, with, with B. John Robinson's teams that have those really dynamic backs. If you can have a, a guy come in and make a difference as a, as a, a young, young linebacker who can come in here and, you know, set the tone – at, at stopping a run, I think that's that's really huge. And then he, 
we have other backers that could come in here, you know, uh, E-Rob, and then we have uh, Holcomb yep. that could come in here and set the tone when it comes to the three-down back type of stuff. I think I think Mark has a, a high ceiling, and he just has to understand his role. And then as he continues to get better in his role in special teams and stopping the run, then that's when they give you more opportunity to to stop the pass, to, to get in there on third downs. And you've seen a guy like Robert Spillane kind of step up more and with Spilly. his role, because he because he did what he needed to do with his opportunity. Yeah, Crazy, yeah, that's that's great. Um, yeah, I th- we we all have high hopes for Mark Robinson. D, I'll let you. Uh, you look like you're itching for another question. Uh, oh man, I was gonna get ready to Pat P, man, bringing in the choir of Pat P this all season, yeah. man, and bringing him in for my guy Joe Hayden getting up out of there, man, and uh, moving on in life, man. Pat P stepped right in behind him, man. And how important do you think that was for the Steelers bringing in Pat P, not only just for the DBs, just for the experience level for the defense? I think bringing Patrick Peterson in was really huge for the for the defense. And the reason, the reason for that is because Patrick Peterson has, uh, besides just his play, his veteran leadership is is – is amazing. He is one of the best DBs in the NFL for a very long time. So he could come in, teach Joey Porter. If Joey Porter wants to get under his wing and just learn from him, I think they have a veteran that can teach the young guys how to develop, how to get better at your craft. But then also with Pat Pete, he had a great year last year. So with TJ Watt, Marcus Golden, Alex Highsmith, Cam Haber, with them rushing the passer, it's going to allow Pat to allow Pat to sit on routes a little bit more than he probably used to. And with him being able to do that, he has great ball skills and great returning ability. I think that's another way that's going to allow our defense to make more impact plays because of the style of ball that Patrick Peterson plays. And and Coach T loves those guys that you like, man, I used to love – I love playing against him. I love watching him play and to get the opportunity to coach them. And you seen what he did with Joe Hayden. I feel like he could do the same thing with Patrick Peterson. And I think that that's going to be a huge upgrade to our defense. And I know uh, Joe Hayden is out of, out of the out of the league right now, and you know he's one of the greatest DBs to ever play. And th- it, I think it's a blessing to lose one great DB and, and gain another. Uh, it's almost identical. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 gonna be a guy that's gonna be a very exciting, and he's just a he's a great guy around uh, around the team, and he's just like uh, Joe Hayden, he's a great team guy. So just constantly bringing people in that's a great team guy, guys that people want to be around. I think it make it really easy to to win around those type of guys, but then also help create a culture that you want in the locker room. And I think Patrick Peterson can, can help with that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the Steelers' way is in his blood. I mean, his cousin's Bryant McFadden, you know. I mean, who better to lean on when it comes to Steelers stuff than, you know, Bryant. But, you know, before before we start to send things off um, and get into Ryan's Steel City greats, I do have one more question, and we were just talking about an offseason pickup. What are your thoughts on the draft class and how Omar Khan has done this offseason? So to me personally, I think this draft class was an incredible one because they basically fit every need that we expected them to fill. And some of them, they feel that different. You know, sometimes it was like, hey, we need old linemen. Some people thought we needed a DB first. And with that trade of 
of Chase Claypool, it allowed the team to go get Joy Porter Jr. So they fulfilled the role with the the left tackle because that's that's basically showing we believe in Kenny Pickett as our quarterback. Mm-hmm. So they got Broderick, and I think Broderick is a good pick. He didn't give up a sack all last year when he was at, at Georgia. So if you have a player that was in the SEC, didn't give up a sack all season, obviously Georgia and the NFL are two different two different leagues, but that just shows you the type of player that he is, he, you know, the type of player that, that he can be. And you always want to make sure that you can make sure your quarterback feels like he's protected, feels like the, the team has his back. So I think that was great with the Broderick pick. And then, you know, we get. Hey, uh, I don't want to cut you off, Ryan. Quick question. Quick question. Me being an old line myself. I mean, I, I just got to, I just got to ask, where does, where does Broderick, play at. I mean, you have Dan Moore and Chooks. I mean, I hate to I hate to bring you into this, but I need to ask you this question because you're a great player. You know great players and you see him. He's a great player. Broderick never gave a sack. Why do you bring him into the system where you have two bookend tackles that's playing at a high level right now? So, the reason I would say that is because our starting quarterback last year, he had two concussions in one season. Two concussions in one season. And I'm not saying that that's his old lines fault. You know, but I, but you also have to do better at protecting them. At the beginning of the right. season, the old line wasn't playing at a level that everybody wanted them to play. And I know it takes time to build chemistry as an old line, 100%. but that's something that they needed to work on. So Dan Moore finished the season very strong, and Chooks is a very as a lock in tackle. They already paid him his money. But the Hello. one thing that I think is very important is that the Steelers brought in a young a young guy that understands how good he is, but it also brings in to everybody else is like, hey, this guy is good and it's going to bring in competition. Whenever you breed competition, it allows guys to step up and see who really is a dog and who isn't. So right, right now, I think that Dan, I mean, I think Broderick is probably going to move in at that left tackle position. And I'm not saying that Dan doesn't deserve it, but I think that when you trade up for a guy, that's somebody that you expect to play. They did the same thing with Devin. And I, and they and pretty much when you trade up for anybody. And what I'm saying is I think that Broderick will probably come in at the left tackle position, but I don't think that's a position that they're going to hand over to him. I think that's a position that he's going to have to fight for in camp. And him, Dan, and Chooks, while they're in camp, they're going to be fighting over to see who is the best to protect Kenny Pickett, your franchise quarterback. And uh, but I, I do agree with you. At first, I thought they were going to. At first, I thought they were going to go DB first because I was like the O line played well in the second half of the season. But you know, it's with a that being spot said, there. and yeah, yeah, think about his coaching and, and, and it's like O line is not. Sometimes a linebacker like y'all, so y'all can make one make mistake. One of y'all guys can make a mistake, and you Ryan come out of nowhere and strip the ball out and make that play better. But O line mm-hmm. has to be tied together, and those guys yeah. up front played so well last year towards the end. It was like it's no way that it, it's it's like that, you know what I mean? And you go get Broderick, and it's like okay, well you you brought in guys in the interior to lock down that inside inside spot. You trade up to go get a guy at a tackle spot when you have two bookend tackles playing pretty good towards the end of the season once they started gelling together. So the potential is there. It's got to stay locked yeah. in. So it's like now they're playing well. Now it's like, okay, you bring in competition. Iron shop is iron. You got a solid inside. You got solid edges. So you don't play Broderick and you let this million-dollar guy sit on the bench. Like that, that's a possibility that could possibly happen if things don't pan out that way up in the trove this year. 
You know, so it's a possibility. But the one thing that we can say is the right side of our line, that's not changing. Most people feel like that's not changing. We got James, James from last solid. year. We got James from last year. We had Chooks. They paid him. And then we got, we brought in Cole. So then we bring in uh, Isaac for, to the left side. There's nobody taking that guard spot. Dog. And then uh, it's on the left side. And it's like, hey, we have to, the one thing that the Steelers want to so do is say, hey. is Dan Moore. You probably. So basically, you know, the weakest link is Dan Moore. Yeah, yeah. So right now, and I'm not saying that he's the weakest link based off of his play. I'm saying he's the weakest link based off of experience. So basically, you know, they're going to have both of them going in there fighting for that position. And the Steelers went into this draft and were saying, hey, we want to go into this draft. And coming out of this draft, we want people to know that we have one of the best old lines in the whole NFL. Not just, hey, we're trying to make sure our old line is okay. They went, they went in there and said, hey, we're getting a top-tier tackle so everybody know that we have one of the best old lines in the NFL because we trust in our quarterback that much. And I think that's why that they made that decision to trade up for, for Broderick. I agree. I mean, I think he's a great player. I think he's an immediate slide-in-and-play-right-now guy. I just – what concerned me was a little bit about how fast do he play before – you know what I mean? Before they say, ah, we're going to wait till next year to put him on the field. Or, no, we're going to continue to play Dan Moore. And then we slide him half the season. Then he, oh, it's all types of ways to stay playing yes. out. Because O-line is a hard position to play in the league, man. Things are fast in your face quick, man. Yeah. I mean, as an offensive line, it's hard, man. It's hard to play, especially left tackle when it's leaving going against the best top tier pass rushes every day. Every week you got to strap it up. You know what I mean? So, I'm excited to see where he, where he, where, how this playing out in Pittsburgh and what, what they, what, what goes down with, between those two. Because um, have you ever thought about what if Chooks moved to left tackle and see if how Dan pan out on the right tackle spot? What if that? Because Chooks is playing really well. Yeah. So I, the thing is with Chooks playing with the way he's playing right now, you don't want to keep moving people in the positions because you're learning different techniques. You know that a little bit better than me. But I feel right. like you're learning new techniques. You're you're learning a different position. You're de- you're dealing with different. Like, people don't understand. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. You might be more comfortable sliding back on your right than sliding back on your left. So you just, honestly, so. that's just that's a decision for the old line to make, not me. That's kind of above <laughs> my pay grade. But I do, yeah, I do yeah. feel that I do feel that having having Chooks, having Dan, having Broderick, it gives you some versatility. It gives you some more. Uh, numbers it give you more people to rely on and so if something oh, does happen if somebody does go down now you have extra depth as well so it might it might not be great for Dan right now but at the end of the day there's two guys that played a very long time in his NFL career and they both weren't you know first rounders and they and they both were overlooked whatever one one name is uh, Kelvin Beecham, and he still plays for the Ooh. Arizona Cardinals. And another one name is Alejandro Villanueva. You know, so oh, like, all I have to guy. say is, you know, so all I have to say is, you know, you just you he's gonna have to trust in his ability, and he's gonna have to trust in what he can do and prove like, hey, I'm still that guy. But right now, I think he's gonna he's gonna have to 
you're gonna have to work, you know, he's gonna have to work looking up because uh, that's what my teammates always used to tell me. They was like, Ryan, you was a first round, they gave you more opportunities, and I had to keep looking up. But if you're looking up and you see that guy is a dog, and every single time he's making a play and doing what he needs to do, those guys be like, hey, I was mad when you got drafted. I was mad when you got drafted, but at the end of the day, hey, I can't be mad. I can't be mad that you playing over me because you deserve it. You know what I'm saying? It's, right. it's like once he proves that he deserve it, then them guys gonna be like, yeah, you're right. If anyone understands that, Mitch understands that more than anybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mitch understands that more than anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. So that now, now that's a good point you made about uh, understanding that he wants a spot. He won a spot that he deserved it because Mitch is the guy that understands that more than anything. When Kenny Pickett took over that spot, you know yeah. what I mean? He took it like a champ and uh, he supported him all the way through. Man, they posted a picture. They was out together. You know what I mean, so that's all about man. It's creating a brotherhood, man, with guys. You know what I mean? Trusting one another, man. I know we out there fighting for jobs and people fighting for different opportunities, man. As far as money, contracts, the love of the game, who knows? But the thing is, that when you're a team, man, got to stay together all the time. That's the only way that thing will work, especially down the stretch of the season. No, I completely agree. And I think that's what a lot of people fail to realize is how how close guys end up being through all this. Like Vince, me and him, when, he, when I first got drafted, he was like, man, I can't believe that they drafted a linebacker. They don't need one. I'm here. But <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, I worked out with him. I did everything with him. We became best of friends. And then now – he looked like we look back at things. He was like, Ryan, like I was just mad because I felt like you was taking out my opportunity. But, you know, I appreciate like the effort that you put in. I see like why you got drafted in the first round, but you also prove why you deserve to be here. You know, so that's that's the thing that Broderick's going to have to do. And, you know, once he does that, guys going to look up and be like, hey, I, I'm not mad at that decision. Guys aren't mad. I know the guy that got uh, when when Trent Williams was drafted. I know the guy that was in front of him was pissed off. But now they look at Trent Williams' career and be like, "Hey, man, I hold my hat to you." 100%. Yeah, yeah. Man. I mean, 100%. yeah. I mean, this like we've been talking about the offensive line play, and uh, right now with the pickups they've made, they have the potential to be a top five offensive line. Um. In, in my, my personal opinion. Right yeah. Yeah. And uh um I don't know, do you want do you want to finish on your uh Omar Khan off season before we kick things off? I know we're we're going a little bit over what we uh, originally said. Yeah, we we could talk we could talk uh yeah, so I th- I think Omar I think Omar Khan uh I think he had. I think he had a great off season. I, I you know, bringing in uh, uh, Isaac from the Eagles, Patrick Peterson, then filling up both of the linebacker positions, and then the, the great draft that he had. I think that the Steelers, they're obviously they're going to go into this this season with everybody thinking that hey, I think they're going to be the third or fourth team in the AFC North. But I can see that the Steelers end up making some noise and finishing the, the season off with probably 11 wins because of the the roster that that has been developed. And then just going to the facility and seeing the chemistry that these guys are developing, I think that they can go and surprise a lot of people. And this is something that uh, – that a lot of people are going to be excited about in Pittsburgh. Uh, it's just I think Omar did a really good job in in their team. And Omar and Andy did a really good job in building this building this team. And I think uh, they're going to uh, only people in Pittsburgh right now are going to be the ones that's believing as hard as the team. Yeah, 100%. yeah, I, I agree with you. Oh. The, fan, the fan the fan base is 
is going hard on Omar this this offseason. We are going we're we're battling to death for him because he you know, he's been labeled the con artist. I don't know if you've seen on Twitter and everything like that. I know Mike T's kind of kind of labeled it, but yeah, I mean, we expect big big things this year for uh the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett and uh, all the additions they made. But now going off of that, let's talk about something that Ryan was very passionate about in his Steel City Greats. Yeah, so so Steel City Greats is uh, I'm really excited because I partner with Organic Remedies here in Pittsburgh, PA, and Organic Remedies is a medical marijuana uh, company, and so they have a, a grow facility, you know, uh, and a processing facility. Then they also have a dispensary, but uh, I I have the Steel City Greats. We actually sell it through all the the whole state of Pennsylvania is medical marijuana, and as I was going through my injury, it was something that I really used to lean on because I wasn't really big into opioids, using uh, medicines when it came to uh, using like a lot of, you know, uh, opioids when it came to just healing, because I, I just I, I just didn't want to go down that path. I know that uh, some people in my family had addictive personalities and I was like, that's not a, a path that I'm trying to go down. So I, I talked to some friends that are in the pharmacy department and they recommended me try some medical marijuana. So. I started it and I used it through my whole process when I was dealing with depression, when I was dealing with anxiety, and definitely when I was dealing with my pain. And then so after a while of using it, me and the the, the owner, uh, Eric, we, we talked and we just said, hey, man, I think this will be a great opportunity to give back to other individuals and let them know what I use for myself when it came to dealing with pain, dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety, and you know even helping with sleep. And I'm really excited to, to have the Steel City Grace in us. It's a, a strand that we have here. We have four different strands. Uh, one is called Walking Miracle, uh, which is I feel is a, is a great strand. It's a hybrid. Uh, we have speed, which is a, a, a stativa. So that's kind of, you know, an upper trying to get people going, you know, uh, try to get you up out of the bed. You just kind of keep you in the mood. Then we also have uh, uh, Indica, which is uh, which we have is called uh, uh, Shalif. And then we also have another Indica called uh uh, just Shay's ear. So, you know, we have two hybrids. The other hybrid is Shalif. So, to me, I just, uh, I, I really love the product. I'm really happy that we're actually able to go back out there and help others who are dealing with pain because I know a lot of people that, that deal with it and they don't know what to lean on. They don't know how to deal with that pain. And uh, being able to recommend the uh, Steel City Grace has been great for me. So, so, how do we tie this into the NFL with guys that's dealing with, may not deal with an injury such as your kind? Uh, but deal with depression, you know what I mean, soreness. Of course, every dude in the league deals with that. How has, like, how can we incorporate that into the league and how would that become more legal in the league sooner or later? Like, because, I mean, so it's a lot I of think, guys that I, need it. So I think uh, at the NFL is just being very cautious because right now, uh, with it not being federally legal throughout the whole country, that's not something that they can really promote uh, a lot. Like even the NBA, they they they're a lot more lenient on what guys can use and what guys can take, but it's still not pro, it's still not legal throughout the league. So that's why you don't see much sponsor sponsors and things like that behind it, and you see like more gambling. But when it comes, uh, I think the league will support it and actually allow guys to start using it more as it become more federally legalized uh, through all states because some states uh, is legal like in Pennsylvania, New York, Maryland, uh, the state that you're from, 
but in, in D.C., but in, in some states like uh, Georgia, it's not legalized. In Texas, it's not legalized. So um, they have to be very careful uh, allowing guys to use it, especially if they're in states where people can't even have it yet. So with all that, with, hey, knowing that and knowing this about you, that you're passionate about giving back and helping guys recover, man, from injuries, soreness, you know what I mean, depression, sadness, everything. All that you go back and help out everybody do what you want to help out, but man, how what is your next step to this? Like what do you how do you want to expand this thing out? Like I'm pretty sure you don't want to just stay right there locally in Pittsburgh and I know you want to get this thing around the world to get everyone onto this. Yeah, so I would definitely love to just continue to to spread the word because I know there's a lot of brands out there that's rec- recreational brands and and I'm not knocking none of those brands at all, but I just know how it helped me medically. And, you know, if I can just constantly get into other states, recreational states and medical states, if I can constantly get into other states and allow people that's dealing with pain, if it could be a sports figure or it can be just an everyday Joe that has problem going to sleep or, or that's dealing with pain, if I can help them deal with that, I think it would be tremendous. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. And as, as a, nice. as a 10, 10, I'm, I've been in the military for 10 years now. Uh, I'm a big ad- advocate for it going federally because i think the benefits of it outweigh you know what military members are doing currently which is which is drinking we you know they don't have that revenue and i live in colorado now and it's completely legal in the state as a military member we can't we can't do that kind of stuff but again i am a big advocate for it to be legalized and federally and uh you know, help with PTSD. Like I've been on two deployments. Um, you know, we deal with everything you guys just listed off. Um, I guarantee you every military member, if, if not every military member deals with stuff like that. And I think there's way more benefits to it being legalized federally. And I mean, Canada did, uh, yeah, the country of Canada did it is legal for everyone. And I think that's something that um, America needs to look at and eventually go down to because, like, for me, with I, I have those sleeping issues that you talked about. I, I, I drink um, more often than not. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many more benefits with the medical side of marijuana and everything like that. Um, I think it's a great thing. Um, I can't wait for the day when it's – you know, federally. Say for president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I yeah, can't. No, nah, no, nah, not for president. No, nah, that's not, that's not something I'm, I'm running for. Yeah. I, I can't wait. But man, we know, we know we can, we get short on time, Caleb, man. Yeah, my boy yeah. got a great to go. Yes. Before we get you up out of here, man, we had the NBA finals. You kept making NBA references, man, from buses to everything. Who takes the series, man? It'll go all the way so, to seven, so, man. Who wins? Nuggets. So like I was like I was telling my wife just earlier today, I said on my podcast a while ago, I think like in my head, obviously I have to go with the nuggets. But with my heart and just like thinking about this whole situation, the whole time that everybody's been doubting the heat, everybody's saying that the heat shouldn't even be here in this moment. And you kind of think about it, the East Coast, the East was a lot tougher of a division than it was in the West, mm-hmm. if you really think about it. And they already beat the Milwaukee Bucks, who was the number one team in the in in the NBA. Then they beat they beat uh Boston, who a lot of people had them as the favorites to win the whole thing. So I just don't see why I'm gonna c- c- uh, continuously doubt 
them in this situation and they have Eric Spolster who's probably one of the greatest coaches of all time so I'm going to be honest I'm going to have to lean more into the heat on this one and I know a lot wow. of people are saying the Nuggets but I think I'm going to have to lean into the heat and then also wow. I know we're on the Stiller podcast um, I got to say uh, before I head out I want to say thank you all again the reason I'm wearing a Los Angeles Rams hoodie is because uh, I went to go see my dog Aaron Donald and that's why I got to tell you all <laughs> the video so I just wanted, and he's a little I just, biased I, I, I yeah. He's a little biased to the heat, too, because uh, he got a couple jerseys on with uh, Dwayne Wade on it. So we know why he's yeah. really going for the heat here. <laughs> we, yeah, I'm from Fort Lauderdale, so. And we will, show, we will need you to stand by for a second after we stop this recording. So I'm going to go ahead and do our send-off. I want to thank Ryan Shazier for coming on the show. Like I said before we started the recording, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. What's crazy is my four-year-old daughter – she just had a Chase Claypool jersey. I'm like, well, she can't wear that anymore. So the latest jersey we just bought her was a Ryan Shazier because he is immortalized as a Steeler and and an Ohio State Buckeye. I mean, what's crazy? Like, what he's a great human being, great story. Uh, I'm happy to have him. D, before we get to Ryan, do you have anything to say? Man, I appreciate you, bro. I wish I had the pleasure to play with you, man. Had an opportunity to chop it up with you in the cafeteria, man, uh, on the south side, man. Uh, when you was a player's coach, man, uh, I just missed you, dog. I just came in, man. Just, just missed you. No, I wish I had the same opportunity, man. Appreciate y'all. And Ryan, any sure. any any final thoughts for everybody, anybody who watches? Hey, man, I just, uh, just want to say thank y'all for listening. And, man, I, I think the Steelers are going to have a great season this year. And, if you do go to the game, just you know, bring the energy because uh, they need it. They need all of it. So uh, just just wish them the wish them the best of luck. And uh, if you get the opportunity, you know, go check out the Steel City Grace if you have a medical card. So yeah, and with that, the three point stance is out. Peace.